Hi, everyone, and welcome to East Coast Office Hours Fan Bites Friday afternoon podcast with your hosts, me, Merritt, and Danielle. Hi. Hey, how's it going? Hey, it's all right. I'm uh, I'm upset about the time change that's about to happen. <laughs> well, we're all upset about time, but there's nothing we can do about it. <laughs> yeah, sadly. Why don't we just not do this? Just not do this? Um, yeah. No one's quite sure uh, why. The laws kind of were set down, and we sort of just have to obey them to the best of our ability. Right. right. Um, yeah. But does it have to be this way? You know, I kind of asked that a lot. Uh, I, I kind of find Well, that's asking. kind of dangerous thinking. Um, I mean, <laughs> these the laws were given to us. This is the law. Uh, Baphomet set down the law, and it was right. to be this way. And, um, <sighs> and you're going to destroy Midian with your with your crazy new ideas. I just watched Nightbreed. But what if we, what if we had like Baphomet 2.0 though? Baphomet 2.0, interesting. Okay, okay. Have you seen that movie? No. (laughs) Oh boy. It's a treat. I think you might enjoy it. Yeah, do you know what it's about? Not really, other than Baphomet. Can I sell you on Nightbreed? Please. Um, It is basically, what if, Clive Barker made an X-Men movie. Oh my God. Um, or it's kind of like X-Men by way of Nightmare on Elm Street. Okay. Okay. I'm listening. Uh, it's basically, I mean, maybe people do an episode of the show on it or something, but um, it's basically like this, this guy has these dreams of this place called Midian where all these monsters live. Oh, I and, have uh, this. Okay. His, yes, his yes. therapist, who is David Cronenberg, Oh my fucking god! Good uh, tricks him into thinking that he has uh, murdered a bunch of families uh, <laughs> when actually he has done it, and he's like tries to get him to lead him to the monster city so that he can kill all the monsters. Um, wow! But it has so many great monster designs. Uh, the plot of the movie is basically like cops and the church and psychiatry goes to war on homos and they lose (laughs) um oh my god and uh yeah it did really poorly when it came out because no one knew how to market it they tried to market it as a slasher movie which it isn't if anything it's kind of like a fairy tale like it's it's a misfits rule story except the misfits actually are like like really gross looking monsters and they do rule and they do win and they win just by fucking killing the police and stuff they don't win by being like morally superior this sounds like a fucking blast oh it's it was great it was great actually my friend annalise ogard wrote a piece about it um on screen slate which uh you can read over there um and that's what turned me on to it oh my god and yeah, oh, yeah, David Cronenberg is like, it's like he was waiting by the phone for someone to call and be like, hey, do you want to play a serial killing psychiatrist? And he's just like, I've been waiting for this call for 20 years. <laughs> because he's so good. So good. Uh, I think, can we just do like a Cronenberg minute every time? we do this podcast yeah this has been the Cronenberg minute um I guess we did one <laughs> last week too because we talked about the movie that he directed uh video yeah. yes like 
I mean, we don't have to because I don't want to put pressure on it. You know, like if the Cronenberg minute isn't there, we don't have to force it. But like, but I feel I like they're often love. it often just sort of will be there. Yeah, yeah. Um, because <laughs> I'm always thinking about him. I mean, I I am too. Yeah. I definitely. Um, well, this is work I didn't do for the site, so I guess this is the appropriate time to talk about it before we talk about work for the site. But I did do a guest list uh, for my friend Stacy Ponder, horror writer, Gay mm-hmm. Lords of Darkness podcaster Stacy Ponder, uh, over at her blog. She proudly calls it a blog, which I love. Uh, horror, uh, sort of, sorry, finalgirl.rocks. And I did my top 20 favorite horror movies of all time. And I like... <sighs> I think I only put the fly on there from Cronenberg, but I'm really going back and forth on whether that was really the right decision, to be honest. Like, Mm. I love so many of his movies so much. And I love, like, I think I've grown to love them even more. Like, we talked about it last time, how obsessed I was with Videodrome, especially when I was, like, younger. And it was, like, a formative, like, different horror movie for me in my early 20s. Uh, And now I'm kind of like, maybe I actually, like, need them even more in my life. And need them, like, they're even more important to me as I get older and as the world turns even more into a nightmare, you know? Like, yeah, they're very, very good. Very, very good. I can't even believe I'm saying this, but I've never seen Crash. Oh, like, Crash is fun. At all. And how how am I going on this far without seeing Crash? I don't, I don't know how it's possible. I've seen, like, all of his uh, sort of schlockier early movies, I've seen all of his, like, later work, which has not really been horror, but also has been very, very good, like, you know, Eastern Promises and History of Violence. And, like, I just, how could I be missing his, like, 1996 masterpiece? Ugh. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I turned in the Uh, the other crash. Crash with Sandra Bullock and Don Cheadle, and and it's about all the races being different, but also kind of the same. Jesus Christ, that movie. Um, Didn't that win Best Picture that year? I believe so, yeah. One of my favorite gags in um, my favorite TV show, Peep Show, Mm. uh, which I only got this gag the most recent time that I I watched through it, which was a couple months ago. But um, there's a character named Big Suze who is just like the the super posh, uh, fancy ex-girlfriend of one of the characters. And she shows up a bunch throughout the series, like once or twice a season. But uh, in two of her appearances, which are like a season or two apart, I think, she (laughs) says that she is appearing in the stage version of that film Crash Ah! um, and then describes it as, you know, the one about where the people get all feel all sexy when they get in road traffic accidents or, you know, the one where, you know, it's about all the different races that are all a bit different. They're all a bit the same, Um, which just (laughs) is like really funny to me. Good. Excellent. Thank you, Big Seuss. That's very, <laughs> that's very good. Oh, Peep Show. Peep Show is f- fabulous and wonderful. And one night in like 2011, I thought there were burglars in my house. Like I woke up at 4 a.m. hearing voices uh-huh. and I walked out into the living room. And for some reason, an episode of Peep Show was just playing. Like it just started playing huh. on our TV. I'm sure, like, one of us, myself and my roommate, were just watching it and, like, just forgot to turn it off and, like, or turned it off, went to sleep, and something bumped a remote or whatever. Some fucking thing happened. I mean, have you considered the much simpler explanation, which is that ghosts are giving you TV recommendations? 
Honestly, that might be better. That might be a better world, you know, because it's a great recommendation. You're 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 going like, well, uh, we the TV was on and then we fell asleep, but we bumped something and then it fell off and sort of Rube Goldberg into <laughs> putting this show on when uh, Occam's Razor, the simplest explanation is probably the correct one. A ghost is telling you to watch Peep Show. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're, I think you're right. I think you're right. And it was a good recommendation. So, like, what a great ghost, honestly. Like, the ghost thank with you, the ghost. most. Ghost Beetlejuice. Most. You know, it's been many years Which, since I've seen Beetlejuice. I watched it uh, one week ago. Oh, shit. How does it hold up? It's been one week since I saw Beetlejuice. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, oh. uh, yeah, B+. Plus. Thanks, Jordan. Yeah, I, I didn't quite get there. I thought I would maybe be able to fit it into the time a little bit more. But uh, I, I just yeah. couldn't do it on the, such short notice. Um, yeah. It was an invalid attempt, though. Really. Thank you. Beetlejuice, uh, Beetlejuice holds up pretty well. I liked it. It was a kind of a fun ride. It uh, The pacing is, is kind of weird. Uh, I find that with like a lot of 90s comedies. Um, yeah. The pacing is so different from what I'm used to. But, uh, you know, everyone's just having a real good time. Um, Gina Davis is just so sweet. Um, Alec Baldwin at, you know, one of the, one of the apices of his handsomeness, sort of a young Alec Baldwin. Um, uh, apparently he he hated that movie or he thinks it was one of his worst roles or something. (laughs) Um, and then. I guess that tracks, but like, bro. Yeah. You know. And then, of course, Michael Keaton. Uh, as Who's only in, what, 15 minutes of that movie? <laughs> yeah, Beetlejuice is not in as much of that movie as you would think. <laughs> yeah. um, but he's basically doing, like, the mask before the mask. Or, like, yeah. like even kind of, like, there's, like, shades of Joker. Sure, sure, sure. Shades, shades of Joker in this character. I mean, he's kind of a clown. He is a clown. He yeah. is the a clown prince of uh, death. Um, I I saw this movie when I was pretty young, and it scared me a lot. Sure. Um, I think the part where they didn't realize they were dead that scared me because I was yeah. like, "What if I'm dead?" Um, and then the afterlife and the sandworms really scared me a lot. Sure. Anything sure. where uh, things came out of the ground to get you, yeah, really terrified me as a kid. Yeah. Um, I don't know what it was about that. Did you have something like that? I was afraid of robots. Robots. As a kid. Like, I had a nightmare about C-3PO in my oh, backyard. Oh, no. <laughs> it was, like, stalking through my backyard in a really terrifying fashion. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> yeah, he was just Moving like, his stupid arms and legs that don't have <laughs> joints. Exactly. Uh, I'm a well-designed robot. I can speak English and uh, <laughs> think about complex problems, but my body fucking sucks because some child built it. <laughs> oh, he got God. the brain right, but he couldn't get the walking down. Oh, yeah. God, it's, oh, I was so afraid of that fucking thing. And then, like, grew up a little and was like, oh, he's supposed to be a funny robot. But it was something about the way he just never stopped walking. Like he wasn't walking very well, but he no, like, just I, I never could stopped. see that. Yeah, I know. It was like a zombie shamble. To, yeah, you don't yeah. have to explain it. I can. I'm. I'm I was terrified you of. You see it. Just. Um, <laughs> I was terrified of everything. 
as a child, but something about monsters that came out of the ground, like um, tremors also. Yeah. Big one. Because like, if you can't trust the ground, then like, what can you trust? Right. I mean, that's the thing. Everybody says come down to earth, right? Like be down to earth, be close to the ground. That's stable. And then it's not because a monster comes out and like eats your face. And yeah. that's fucked up. I was also really afraid of earthquakes, even though I didn't really live in an earthquake region. Again, I was basically afraid of everything as a child. I mean, that's valid though. The world is really, I mean, the world is actually horrifying. Uh, and when you're a child, everything is horrifying because you genuinely, you just don't know the rules of yeah, what is allowed I mean, to be horrifying and in what ways. And then you grow up and you realize there actually aren't any rules and everything is horrifying. Oh, that's fun. You just get used to it, maybe. Yeah. And maybe also shouldn't. I don't know. It's a lot. Yeah. It's kind of a lot. It's kind <laughs> of a lot. But yeah, Beetlejuice uh, is is fun. Uh, Winona Ryder is really cute. Oh, yeah. Little baby Winona Ryder. Was that one of her first big roles? I think so. She was like 17 or 18. Yeah. Because, um, of course, she would again work with Tim Burton a couple of years later for Edward Scissorhands. Yes. That's Which is a movie I was kind of scared of because I was a baby. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's scary. Uh, yeah. He's got scissors I, for hands. That was like a date night for my parents to go see that in theaters. And like, wow. I remember scaring the shit out of my sister by putting on like a big sweatshirt <laughs> and like putting scissors in my sleeve. And like, oh my God. Walking at her like, Celeste, I have scissor hands. And she cried. Oh and my, my God. Got mad at me. Yeah. It was pretty you scared mean. scared your actually. sister. It was kind of mean. I'm you sorry. scared Celeste. your sister. I was like six in my defense. Well. All right. I think statute of limitations. We'll let it slide. <sighs> Thank you. You ever feel really guilty for things you did with a sibling, like many, many, many years later? Because I do a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just like I was the older sister. So if I would like scare her or make fun of her or we'd get in a fight, I was like bigger and stronger. I just feel so fucking bad. I'm always like, did I traumatize my poor sister who I love dearly? Like, did I really make her life bad? I really, I have so much guilt. Maybe this is a Catholic thing too, but I just have so much guilt over it. Oh no. Well, I mean, I can't say that I pretended to be Edward Scissorhands <laughs> to scare my sister ever. <laughs> so might be you thing. <laughs> Hard to say. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> nah, I'm sure. I'm sure she's fine. Yeah. She's doing well. Like, we wish be her the best. <laughs> but what if she like wakes up in the night in like a cold, dead sweat and like sees me as Edward Scissorhands from when she was four? And like, she's just like, Danielle, I can't believe you did this psychic damage to me when we were young children. This is what, this is why I'm. The person I am today who's, like, way too nice and, like, tries to help people all the time because I'm just trying to undo some of that, you know? Oh, yeah. <sighs> Getting very real today. I'm to balance podcast. out the sort of scales. Yeah. The yeah. cosmic scales, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, she doesn't remember the incident. So it's just a bizarre nightmare she keeps having. Why do I think about my sister? Yeah, thank you, Jordan. Thank you for helping me feel a little better about this. Also, all children are shitheads. Like, even if you're a pretty good kid, like, mm. you have fights with your siblings. You say mean things to your parents. Like, it's Do not you? like it's great, but... It sounds like... <laughs> I don't know. It's this, uh... 
Yeah. yeah. A lot of uh, sort of universalizing of your <laughs> scissor hands experience. Uh, but uh, no, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. Children aren't, uh, you know, rational agents. Yeah. yeah. So they don't, children don't really fit into like the moral axis of the universe most because they don't have an alignment yet. You don't get an alignment yeah. until you're like 13, I think. Sure, sure. That's when you like get an alignment. And um, I mean, it changes a lot. Um, yeah. For the next like ten years or fifteen years or so, but at that point, you know, you're um, you're like lawful good or you're like neutral or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. I still don't know what I am. I, that. I mean, the unfunny answer is nothing because they're all stupid and it's a bad way of like understanding <laughs> the world. Yeah, um, fair. So the role playing games that I played when I was a kid weren't D and D, and they had a different alignment system, which was just like the most wild, like <laughs> like backwards ass thing. Um, it was sort of similar in that there was like they called them good alignments, evil alignments, and uh, selfish alignments, and uh, <laughs> evil these, and selfish. These books okay. were written by like just the worst writers, so they would like. <laughs> have like in every book first of all like they would just copy and paste like the rules across multiple settings so that they didn't sure. have to like write a new rule set but um they would have a, a huge thing about how there can't be there's no such thing as a neutral alignment which like in retrospect is like basically correct i think but also yeah. like was so clearly like a we're not D D. we're not right. D guys we're cooler our alignments are principled and scrupulous, those are the the, the good alignments. Principled <laughs> is like a paladin, and scrupulous is like like a good guy who will not always follow the letter of the law. I guess I don't know. A, a good guy, maverick. Yeah, yeah. Unprincipled, they said, was like Han Solo. Uh, anarchist is just like chaos, like true chaos. <laughs> and then the evil ones are miscreant which is like, just like a petty thug. Aberrant, which is like, oh, you're like a, a crime guy, but you have like your a moral code. Mm. Um, and then diabolic is just like, you're a fucking devil man that you just kill people for fun and it's funny. Um, and it was, everyone picked aberrant because it's like, yeah, I'm gonna be like a cool evil guy with morals, but I'm just still can do a murder if I want to. Yeah. Did you pick that? Uh, I think, uh, I very, I, you know, I was either like unprincipled or aberrant because sometimes we weren't allowed to have an evil alignment. So oh. yeah. Cause I mean, like, I think sometimes someone's like older sibling would be the DM and be like, no evil characters to like, we're going to have like a serious role playing <laughs> and it would be like, we are nine years old. Like we just want to like role play that we're like riding a dragon into battle and like, yeah marrying a lizard or something i don't know i mean that sounds like fun yeah yeah yeah, yeah i get that i have never played like a, I, a tabletop role playing game in my game. life i played a tabletop thing at, like during a stream and that's it that's the only time it was like the waypoint launch stream is the only time i've ever in my life done a role-playing game mm -hmm. but like 
don't I it looks like fun. It looks like people really have fun when they do that. I don't yeah, know. they can be fun. I've yeah. played them on and off for like most of my life. And um I haven't really in a while, but um they can be really fun. They can also be just completely miserable. Like so <laughs> much of it is just like the people at the table. Yeah. Um yeah. because you can be yeah, like you can be playing the worst rules or the worst game and it, it'll still be good if everyone there is just like vibing. But like yeah. it's so like if someone is just like even a little annoying, it's gonna just like go through the roof when they're a fucking yeah. elven bard and insist on like playing their tracks all the time or something. <laughs> um wait, playing their tracks? Do you mean like musical tracks? Well, I don't know. I mean, probably there are, you know, or just like singing or whatever. Oh, no. Um, I will say, though, the only time I've ever been in a game where someone was a bard who, uh, or no, they weren't a bard, but like they were like something else. And then like musician was just like their day job, I guess. Um, sure. Which is a, a weird thing to think about, but yeah. it's a fantasy world. Anything is possible. Yeah. The only time that someone made up a song uh, to sing, it was actually fucking sick as hell. It was my friend Susie, and oh, nice. she like did like a parody version of something as a diss track uh, against her like her like thief rival character, <laughs> um, and it just like so thoroughly. I was like, okay, yeah, you completely demoralized her. Like you just fucking like ruined her whole fucking day. <laughs> Oh my god, that's amazing! Yeah. Uh, well, that's wonderful. Wow. Yeah, it's a big, wide world of fun and games in the <laughs> tabletop role playing world, and uh, we wish all tabletop role players the best. And um, <laughs> yes, we do. Have we you have you uh, been enjoying any non tabletop role playing games recently? Just Hades. Hades. I mean, Hades I know it's not an nuts. RPG, but hey, hey um, Hades nuts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, like, whatever. Yeah. Everything's an RPG now, right? So, like, oh no, I wasn't even asking about RPG. RPGs. I was just asking about games that weren't tabletop. Yeah, based. just Hades. Um, uh, well, I guess an cool. Animal Crossing goes without that's saying. That's cool. Yeah. How how uh, how far are you in Hades? Have you not, uh, have you beaten a run yet? Oh, not even close. Okay. Like, I'm at the point where I'm just able to, like, get past Meg, like, half the time. Okay, cool. Uh, I suspect that I'm actually not very good at this game, but I'm also fine with it and enjoying it for It's a it difficult is. game. Um, yeah. And you can turn on that god mode, but I will say, even if you don't turn on god mode, you start to get so many upgrades as you go on. It's not yeah. just that, like, you get better. It's that, like, oh, you have a thing where if you die the first time your life goes back to like half yeah um, or like oh you just start with more health or um right. you have a better chance of getting good stuff so like you still like build up all these other systems that are like going to be like nudging you forward which i really yeah. like yes yeah, same extremely same like it, it is built for you to succeed eventually i think yeah um, which I really so. helps really helps a lot i i have only gotten to like the end of what is it asphodel the second world the yes. lava world yeah. i've only gotten to like the it's the bony thing the, the bony bone dragon. hydra the bony hydra i've only gotten to that like 
a few times at this the, point. The so. Hydra of Lernaeus or Lerny. Lerny, is that yeah. their name? Uh, well, Zagreus starts calling it that after a while. Oh, good. Yeah. I look um, forward to that part. Um, there's so much, there's so much little cute stuff like that in the game. where just like details will change. Like some character will make like an offhand comment and you're like, oh, that's kind of funny. Uh, and then it like changes something about the game. Like something <laughs> is labeled differently like that later on. Yeah. Uh, that's very good. I really like that about it. It's such a thoughtful game. Such a like ridiculously thoughtful game with so much cute yeah. little lore and bits and pieces that are very enjoyable. So do you have yeah, a favorite? I'm, I think it might be on the goatee list. Oh, I don't nice. know where, but might yeah. make it there. Do you have a favorite character? Uh I really, really like Nyx. Nyx is great. Uh, I, I like Meg a lot, actually. Meg is and fun. I like her, like how put upon she is all the time. Cool voice. I don't know how she does that, like, weird yeah. reverb effect, but it's, it's pretty cool. Good. It's very, very good. I really like Dusa. Dusa. I think she's adorable. She has a lot of fun. Dusa. She's got a lot of energy. She she understands verticality. What's she, that? She understands verticality. Yeah, she does. She knows how to go up. <laughs> she uh, does. No one else in the game knows how to go up. <laughs> That's correct. Um... Yeah. And I like Zag. I like our our, our bi boy at, yeah. at the middle of it all. He's cute. He's a cutie, I think. So. Yeah. He's just like a fun shithead little, yeah. little dude. Um, yeah. 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 Basically, yeah. all the characters, in the, like the worst thing a character in Hades is, is just like kind of nothing. Like, I would argue that Zeus is just kind of nothing, but like yeah. everyone, like, and there's like maybe like one or two other like Poseidon just kind of sucks, but like everyone else is really charming and wonderful, and I love yeah. them. Agreed. Um, Artemis is pretty cool too. I must say, Artemis is cool. Yeah, like she's like kind of tsundere, and uh, yeah, I know what that means. Yeah, I think I know what that means. And she's just like, it's not like I like you or anything. Anyway, here's a gun uh, to make your bow better. Um, <laughs> Yeah. Well, I hate my family. Bye. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. It's really good. She's really, really good. Oh, I also just have always really enjoyed Greek mythology and used to read yeah, like, mythology books for fun. Um, there's this one great little mythology book that I got at like used bookstore once and it was just the pride and joy of my life that Aww. looked like a fucking old Atari cover and I just read it cover to cover and would just yeah. read stories from it when I felt like it and it's oh it's fun it's fun to see that stuff kind of illustrated and with all this personality absolutely and all this love. So. yeah I was so into Greek mythology as a kid and I feel like as part of the sort of general western canon humanities sort of thing uh, we definitely studied it in school uh, at some point, I think in like yeah. the sixth grade or something. So, yeah, I was like deeply in all these characters and uh, I hope they make DLC. Yeah. That would be cool as hell. Just a few more characters. <laughs> like, Just, honestly, yeah, pretty bring much do it, Hephaestus right? there. Yeah. Let, let Hera I, like, show I obviously up. don't know who's not in it yet, but like, yeah, yeah that'd be so fucking cool. Yeah. Hephaestus is mentioned Vulcan? a few is times. It the same yeah, person? yeah, that's okay, Vulcan. That's uh, yeah, he is a Vulcan. He can do the mind meld, all that great stuff. 
Um, he said, but live he's, long and prosper. He's yeah. not in the game, but they like mention him uh, a lot. He's just like, I don't know what he's up to, but he uh, <laughs> he leaves those uh, those hammers around, I think. Oh, that's him. Or of course, of course, because he would he would do that. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, that makes sense. Yeah. Vulcan slash Hephaestus at his forge. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. God, yeah. Oh, incredible. I'm sure we'll bring it up again. I like I feel bad that I got on the Hades train so late because I feel like everybody's already said everything about it. And I'm just like, you guys, this game is cool. And like everybody else is like, yes, I've beaten it 400 times, Danielle. And I'm just like, okay. <laughs> I think that's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just really good. I think most people are actually so excited whenever somebody new jumps on it that it's fine and not bad i just have that interior guilt of like i'm making them talk about this again (laughs) i'm Uh, fine to talk about it anytime oh good well i'm glad this is a safe space for hades (laughs) yeah absolutely uh i guess speaking of safe spaces sure why not uh Mm. what's something that you worked on this week that Mm. was very exciting not quite sure how you got from there to here it's a safe space for excitement oh okay yeah no it wasn't very good i'm sorry i apologize uh well i'm gonna shout out to my dude jack yarwood who Mm -hmm. uh wrote a piece about a guy named michael keeler who is a writer and director who uh worked on grand theft auto 2 and basically did all of the radio stuff for that game and like wrote all the dialogue and stuff too but did all like the satirical radio stations that basically just kind of like defined the series moving forward yeah um and has not really gotten a lot of credit for that um yeah He's credited as, like, documentation or something in the game. And uh, this piece, basically, Jack uh, talked to him. And he's, like, a, you know, he doesn't do games anymore, but he does uh, he does TV and film. He's, like, uh, working in a show called, on a show called Roadkill, mm, which is yeah. uh, a Hugh Laurie uh, series, which is kind of cool. Yeah, Hugh Laurie is, like, a serial killer or something. Oh no, he's a weird conservative. Uh, he's like, a conservative popula- uh, uh, politician. What's the difference? Am I right? Uh, um, oh, yep. And uh, he adapted Cormoran uh, Cormor Strike uh, thing, which ah. is that's just uh, that's the that's the bad one, huh? Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Popity's Nerfix, <laughs> 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 and it was probably a few years ago, so. Um, you know, probably didn't, didn't, we didn't know that. Listen, we've all done some things. We've all grown and changed. Um, but basically, yeah, there's, it's like this glimpse into working on GTA two, which, uh, for people who never played, it was like the, the last top down. Well, not the last top down one because, uh, the, uh, the DS one was like that too. Oh yeah. Yeah. But it was, uh, a top down game and apparently working on it was kind of a nightmare. Um, yeah, yeah, and uh, just the the housers uh, at what was then DM DMA. Yeah, they I ha- think so. Hadn't become Rockstar North yet. Yeah, um, 
were just apparently difficult to work with and no one really knew what they were doing and it was all kind of unprofessional. Um, but it's cool to like get a look at that process and uh, kind of wild to me that like someone who like basically set the groundwork for one of the most popular video game series of all times, like yeah. isn't a household name in games. Right. Uh, and I think probably because he hasn't really like sought that or anything, but um, yeah, it's a really cool piece and uh, you should check it out if you want to know more. It's really good. I, I read it yesterday and was just like, holy shit. <laughs> There's just some really great quotes about what that process was like and what the Housers were like even then. That is like, oh, makes some sense there. It's <laughs> really, really cool. Jack Yarwood is just such a great writer. Uh, every time he writes for the site, I get very excited and sit down and pour some coffee and yeah. uh, indulge in uh, learning something very cool and interesting about games. Uh I edited a few pieces this week, uh, actually. I've been doing more editing since our sports writers came on, um, yeah. who are Natalie Wiener and Fernanda Prachas. And there was a piece that actually just went up a couple hours ago. It is an interview with Sue Wicks, who uh, was the very first out queer woman in the WNBA, like when she was an active yeah. player. I think she came out in the 90s. Maybe it was like... 2000 it was like way way early in the league back when the league was very like yeah we're for families and they definitely met hetero families and like we're very like she talks about just how fucking weird it was and how the league and it was like they always had a lot of gay fans like a lot and like the league did not market to them at first they you know she speaks about like feeling like oh we were all so afraid that it wouldn't be here tomorrow kind of thing like we wouldn't have a league if we made one wrong step and so a lot of like marketing and PR decisions went towards like the safest thing possible uh, and just like the frustrations she obviously had with things like that yeah it's just it's fascinating to me as well like the idea that gay fans had like a kiss in at a WNBA game to like protest how much they were like ignoring the gay fans basically like the WNBA which now is like radical and like several players are married to each other like there's a lot of there's plenty of straight women of course there's also plenty of gay women of course like that's sports there's always going to be straight and queer people in them um and, like, now is very much marketed towards queer fans and very much, like, embraces activism within the league and, and really, really shows off a lot of incredible things. So it's such a fascinating piece. Like, Sue gives these just wonderful, wonderful quotes. There's a passage that almost made me cry about, um, like, how much the women, especially, like, queer women and m- maybe some, like, gender nonconforming women were, like, made to wear, like, very, very, very femme clothes for, like, public yeah. appearances and things like that. And she talks about, Ugh. like, oh, not long after I stopped playing, you know, if, like, one of the televised uh, um, drafts, like, there was a woman who was, like, very, very proudly wearing, like, more masculine clothing, like, a three-piece suit. And, like, how happy she looked and how, like, comfortable she looked. And she talked about, like, what that meant for her to, like, see that and see, like, that starting to be embraced. Just fucking awesome interview (laughs) like yeah and she the thing that makes me very happy she's like in her 50s now so she was like she played in college in the 80s and then played overseas for a few years and the league didn't start until i think 96 or 97 so she was actually like 
in her thirties when she was playing at the very beginning of time. So like of you know of the WNBA. Yeah. And now she runs an oyster farm in like upstate New York. Like she, it's called Lavender Cove Oyster Farm, and it's just like live your <laughs> best life. I love this. Oh, that's great. Really, really good shit. So love that for her. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, that and like Fernanda has been kind of killing it lately. She wrote a piece. I, I edited a piece on retirements in MMA and like how mm. ridiculously difficult they are and like contrasting one person who was like the absolute tippy, tippy, tippy top of his game, like top of his league, Habib Nurmagomedov, announced like a shocking surprise retirement last week. Wow. Uh, he won the fight. He had a perfect record. He was like at his peak and he's like, I'm walking away. Damn. His father had died from COVID, like really tragic circumstances. Yeah. And he said something like, my mother said, I don't want you to fight without your father. Because his father was also his trainer. He was also oh, his coach. Wow. Uh, and he's like, okay, one and done. I'm done now. Goodbye. And he's only 32. And then tomorrow, Anderson Silva, who was like at the absolute peak of his game a few years ago, is 45. And he's having his last fight. And it's like a tale of two retirements, right? Of like... Huh. How do you know when to go out on the top? How do you know when it's time you just really need to stop? And yeah. just really, really, like, all the feelings around that and all the feelings around even just being a fan or, or a writer and watching that happen. Like, these are people, you don't know them, but you care about them in some sense. Like, you yeah. don't want them to go, you know? Like, there's a loss even if it is time to go. So, yeah. A couple of cool sports pieces I wanted to highlight. Yeah. Very cool. <sighs> well... Uh, was there anything else you wanted to discuss before closing office hours for business? Oh, no, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think that's it. Awesome. Well, thanks for being here on a Friday, on a gloomy Friday afternoon with us. I think we're getting ready to close up office hours for business. So please do, if you have a moment, uh, rate and review our podcast. It means so, so, so much to us. Uh, it really, really does mean the world. And if you could tell your friends or anybody that you think might enjoy the show, that also means so, so much to us. You can listen to all of our shows at fanbyte.com slash podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Fanbyte Media, on TikTok at Fanbyte. We're back on Instagram at Fanbyte. And of course, uh, you can read and watch and listen to everything on fanbyte.com. Uh, you can watch all of our streams, of course, on twitch.tv slash fanbyte. And thank you, as always, to Jordan Mallory for producing and giving us like great fact-checking and good comments as we as we do this. <laughs> uh, Merit, where can people find you online? I am on Twitter at Merit K. Awesome. If anybody wants to follow me, I am at Danielle R.I. on Twitter. And with that, office hours are closed for business. <laughs>